Our scripture reading for today is from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Morning. Is that loud enough? So glad to have George back. Let's give George a hand. The good looking one. Not the arrogant one. I could do this all day. <laughs> Love you, George. Both of you. Together. Let's pray. But well, we have several people in our congregation that are not doing well. Some of them we know about, others we do not. And we ask, Father, that you touch these people. We ask that you send angels of mercy and the Holy Spirit to heal. We pray this, Father God, because we're the church. And the church of God prays for those who are ailing, hurt, physical, financial, emotional, spiritual. So many things that human beings face. You are always there, Father. You have sent your Son to die for us. We are your people. We belong to you. We've been bought and paid for. There are some of us, Father God, that you may call home any time. I pray that you be with those people. Dave is one of them. We pray for his healing, but we pray, Father, that you will comfort him for whatever you have in store for him and his family. Bless us as a church. Not that we can be good and happy and all of the things that the world wants, but bless us and prepare us for what you want us to be. Help us, Father. Help us. I heard the children this morning. I hear them now. What a blessing. What a blessing. I, Lord, I know Jeannie and I couldn't take care of a little one, but we sure do love them. We're so glad that God allows life to come among us this way. Father, bless us. Now be with me, Father, as I preach a passage of Scripture that is 
dynamic to us as believers. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 14, verse 1. Let's talk about uh, John for a minute, okay? What about John? John was among the inner circle. You know what? There were three disciples that were very close to John. Does anybody know who they were? Well, John was one. What's the other two? Who? James. Okay. Peter and James and John. But John's relationship was different than those. They had different relationships as well. Just as Kip has a different relationship with God than, than uh, Roger does. They have different relationships. God loves them just as much. But John's relationship with God was of such a nature that his epistle was completely different than the other three. Uh, his gospel was completely different than the other three gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew was a young, uh, Luke, Mark was a young man. Pray for me, okay? Mark was a young man, and, and he looked at God as a, a very young man, maybe even a teenager. Matthew was, wrote to the, the, he, uh, the Hebrews. He wanted them to understand all that, that, the Messiah brought in, in the power that is within it. And Luke wrote to inform an unsaved leader of the Roman leadership. John, John wrote what I call a saved man's gospel. He talked about relationship. He talked about the love of God. He talked about the power of the love of God. He talked about the holiness of God. Matter of fact, he refers to himself in the gospel as the, the disciple who loved Jesus. Now, if, that, if he wrote this today, we would have never published it because we would have thought he was arrogant. But he wasn't. Matter of fact, in Nicene, when they began to debate over the Gospels and the other books to be put into the Bible, the New Testament, there were people that were there when John had a relationship, not many, with Jesus. And they all agreed that John understood something about Jesus that a lot of us do not. That's why I'm going to go through 14, 15, and 16 over the next weeks. I don't know how long it'll take. It's an in-depth study. And we're going to look at what God gave John to write down as a gospel for us. I could have started with chapter 1, but the Lord resisted that in me and brought me here. So that's what we're going to talk about. The reason 
that Jesus gave these chapters to John to write is in the first verse of chapter 14, 1. Look at it. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Jesus was leaving. See, Jesus has already left. He left 2,000 years ago. We, we don't know what it was like. We don't know what it was like to have Jesus here on earth with us. We don't know what it was like for him to come up and put his arms around you. You don't know what it was like to see him feed 10,000 men and women. You don't know what it was like to see him walk into church and heal by the spoken word. Delivered people from demonic uh, possession and oppression by the spoken word. We, we don't know what that's like. Somebody said, yeah, he delivers people. Yeah, he's see, here's with me. And, yeah, but you guys ain't seen nothing yet. When I go to heaven, and Jesus Christ is there in heaven, I guarantee you his impression on me will be ten times greater than his, his impression right now. And his right now is great. Do you understand what I'm saying? Has your heart ever been troubled? Is there something that happened? Maybe your spouse died or a child died. or Maybe you got a divorce. Maybe you had three or four of them. I don't know. Maybe you had an abortion and then you came to know Jesus. And you struggled. Some of you may be struggling with the fact, oh, am I, when rapture happens, am I going to be taken up or am I going to be here and am I going to go through tribulation and, and I'm, am I going to do all this and all that because you read the scriptures? Your heart's troubled, people. It's troubled. Why am I not to be troubled? Second half, first one. Do you believe in God? He didn't ask you if you were saved. He didn't. He didn't ask you if you met Jesus and all of them knew him personally. He asked them, do you believe in God? I have born-again Christians come to me that have known the Lord for years. And they will say, I don't know if I believe there's a God. And I say, so you're not going to go to heaven. I didn't say that. They don't want to admit they might not go to heaven. But they don't want to admit that they know who God is and believe in him. Secular society argues and demands of us that there is no God. It is one of the tenets of the world, the flesh, and the devil, that there's no God. The Lord knew exactly what was needed to bring peace into a person's heart. And that peace is, comes from the belief in God. So do you believe in God? 
If you are a born-again Christian and believe that Jesus Christ lives within your heart, you must absolutely, without a doubt, believe that there is God. Because nothing that you think has happened, happened without God. And he says, okay, if you believe in God, then he says, believe in me. And what he was saying to them, and they understood from their teaching and background and where they came from, from the, uh, the Jewish faith, they knew that Jesus was saying, you must believe that I am God also. So we have the Father in heaven, holy, pure, divine, righteous, eternal, If you believe that, then you believe I am God. The same thing. Just what Jesus was saying. Next he goes, this is how you keep your heart from being troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe in me also. Verse 2, my father's house has many rooms. King James says many mansions. I don't care how big a room is. I don't care how little it is. I don't care if it's a cabin on the corner of Glory Land. Remember, no, anybody remember that song? You don't? Well, I'm not going to sing it. Donna, Donna remembers it. I want all wants a little cabin on the corner of Glory Land. Right. There are many rooms. It's your room. Because he says, if it were not so, if there aren't rooms, that's got on the right out. You know how sometimes when you live in an apartment, they'll take your name and write it and put it in a little slot that says, Mike Dean? It's your room. No one else will abide there. No one else. There is no rent. It's been paid for. No utility bill. It's been taken care of. No repairs need to be made. It's been taken care of. I want to stop here and say something to you. This is the basic information that every young believer needs to know. Oh, there's a lot of information. It's good and it all needs to be known. But I'm telling you what, in discipleship, I need to make a connection Praise God for my pastor when I was saved. He helped me make a connection of of who Jesus Christ is. He did. I believe that the principles that are found in these three chapters are basic information that every young believer needs to know because I'm going to tell you I know and meet and talk with many people who've known the Lord for 20 years or more that do not know this basic information. They just do not know it. They have either not listened or and chosen not to listen 
or they have been involved in themselves so much that they didn't listen or they were never taught. This happens every day. On Sunday, during worship and Sunday school, during Bible lessons, people are not taught these basic truths. This is discipleship. Why is it important that a young Christian knows that the first day they give their heart to God, God has set aside a room for them in heaven. It is their eternal home. Amen? Do you believe it? I do. I don't understand how it happens, but it's going to happen. People won't be given in marriage, so I'll be there by myself. I don't know if there will be a dog or a cat. I don't know that. But God has placed a room for me, a mansion, a room, a cabin for me in heaven. That's a comfort. Because a lot of people in this world aren't wanted. Do you understand? When you, when you lead somebody, you know what's exciting to me? That in the last two weeks, you don't know this. It's a secret. You ready? People in this church, to my knowledge, has led two people to the Lord. Did you hear that? In the last two weeks, this has happened. Those people have a home. A far away from all the clamor of this world. All the rejection. All the failure. All the abandonment. It's, it's not there. They need to know that. They belong. They are a child of God. The first chapter of the Gospel of John talks about us becoming children of God. Not of a human's will, not of a husband's will, but of the will of God. When you are born the second time, it is God that does it. Not your intellect, not your reason. Not your position. You didn't have, you weren't just in the right place at the right time. God looked for you and found you. And he said, today is the day that I give you eternal life and free you from sin and death. Amen. So we all have a room. And he said that if it was not so, I would have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. He says, if it's not true, I wouldn't have said I'm going to go and prepare a place. He says, as soon as I rise from the dead and do the things that the Father wants me to do in that time of resurrection, I'm going to go and the place I'm going to make is for you and no one else. No one else. And then he says, I will come back. 
and I will take you to be with me. You know, I, I said, Lord, how am I going to tell these people about this? Is that, do you ever send your kids to camp? Youth camp, music camp, swimming camp, summer camp, winter camp. And while they're there, they're having a blast 99% of the time. Okay? But I'm going to tell you what, they know what day mom and dad's coming to get them. Did you know that? I picked up five of them, and they were so happy to see me. They loved where they were at. Sometimes they loved it so much they became camp counselors, and they were there all summer, many summers. But they knew that there was a place that they were going to. It's been prepared for them, and they have a room in that place, and that place is safe for them, and they can go there and they can rest. They can go there and they can learn and they can be who they are. Your children cannot wait for you to pick them up. My friends, you don't understand how deep this is. You don't understand the consequences of this. It is so profound that if you as a Christian is in the midst of persecution, that you do not have to worry. For if the persecution becomes martyrdom and you die, you're going to your room. Sorry, I didn't mean to be loud. You're you're going to your room. Your room. And when you get there, there will be peace that surpasses all understanding. It was really funny. My mother, one time when I was 16 years old, I went to Boys State. You all know what Boys State is. They do that in West Virginia. I don't know if they do it in Virginia or not. And, and, and I was elected senator, believe it or not, as a conservative. I was elected senator. Well, when she's when I when I got ready to get in the car, I said, "Mom, can I drive?" She says, "Are you up to it?" I said, "Yes." Guess what? She never gave me instructions on where to go to get home. This is the spiritual truth he's talking about. There is an internal spiritual understanding that the Heavenly Father has prepared a place with and in Christ for me. And even though I have never been there, I know where it is. I know exactly where it is. Did you know that? And he said, I will come back and I will take you to be with me. And you also may know where I am. He said, you can be where I am. That means when we get to the place Jesus prepared for us, we will know that is our eternal home. Jesus will eternally be there. Jesus will be what he says he is when he comes to get us. I, I don't, Lord God, how can I tell these people? 
your deepest loneliness, fear, your deepest pain, the, the most tragic event that occurred to you, the most horrible thing that you ever saw or heard. We'll be gone. You won't remember it. You won't remember it. You will only remember the interaction between Jesus Christ and you as you grew and mature and worked your way into becoming like Christ. He will grow in you. Your flesh will be gone and you will not have a desire of the flesh. You will have a righteous flesh. The temple, the holiest temple of God you will ever have. Going, he's going to refer in here, if you love me, over and over again. He's going to refer to that several times in these chapters. And my friends, that is all connected to what happens here in the first four verses of the chapter 14. Because of that intimate love. I don't want to get there <laughs> too much. You know the way. To the place where I go. You ever been to heaven, Kip? But you know how to get there, don't you? We're going to find this, this out next week when, he, when uh, Thomas asks a question. Did you know that? When Thomas asks that question. And then we're going to talk about other things that when Philip asks a question. We're going to find out an awful lot of truth. Powerful truth. And then Jesus makes some promises to us. This is just in chapter 14. You've heard me say this before, and you probably think that's really nice that I do it. I thank God. It's coming up. You know what it is. It's a mortgage payment. It happens every month. It's almost as scary as uh, COVID. Mortgage payment. It's a lot of money. A third of your income, most people's income, a third. Every day that that mortgage is paid, I say to the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, thank you for this house that I live in. I do. I'm telling you. I, th I tell him it's a privilege to pay the electric bill. It was 450 some dollars last month. Praise God. I had 450 some dollars. Thank you for, the, for paying the bill. We need to understand like John did the power of the involvement of the Lord God in my life and in your life. 
and it's as powerful as it is in Dave's, as it is in Caleb's. But the power is placed and applied in different ways because they're different people. I love Jesus Christ. I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry. He'll do it right. Jesus will do it right. And when it's all done, it'll take us home. I can't wait. I want to see my grandchildren I haven't seen yet. I want to see great-grandchildren I haven't seen yet. But I can't wait. I've asked, the God, I've, I've asked God to bring them all home to their rooms. And I will know they belong to me. Out of the privilege and honor of our Lord. Out of the honor of our Lord. Caleb, could you do you have a band today? I haven't. Yeah, give him a hand. The old new drummer. The old new drummer. But you know what they say to me? The old, old preacher. <laughs> so I stand. I want to pray with you. Father, 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 God, help us teach our children and the new believers this truth that you have prepared a place and it's just for us. It's just for them where they will be happy, there will be no more loneliness, no more pain. where they will experience unconditional, everlasting love from the Father and the Son. But the power of God's Spirit will protect them. Oh, Father, God bless us. Father, God bless us in Jesus' name. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. In Jesus' name. If there's somebody here who really doesn't believe that there's a God and you want to talk about it, come on up. If you want to give your life to him and invest your faith in them, come on up. We'll pray for you. Please. Amen. Go ahead, Caleb.